Thrivers. Welcome to Thriving Purposefully with me, Jocelyn. I'm very excited to introduce the first guest of Thriving Purposefully. (laughs) Mallory is an author, speaker, life coach, behavior analyst, mindfulness act mentor, and mama of two littles, whose mission is to help people live a life they love and are fully obsessed with and balance of all the parts of themselves. Welcome, Mallory. I'm so grateful to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Jocelyn. It's such an honor to be your first guest and to see this all become. It's very exciting to be here. Yeah, I I mean, we've talked about this for a while. For a, for <laughs> and a while. finally here, yeah, years. Um, we, we played around with the idea of a podcast and here she is. <laughs> so let's get started. Tell me about a book you've read or a quote that resonates with you and what it means to you. Sure. So when you asked that question and I had a little time to prepare, I was like (laughs) immediately drawn to, you know, inspirational books that I've read or self-help books that I read. And I was like, you know, that's not actually what I'm going to say because that's not actually what's on my heart. (laughs) Um, So as you know, um, I like to honor all the parts of us. And even though a lot of my work ends up being in empowerment, right? And it's, you know, related in science and stuff like that. A part of me that is super duper present, but not always seen by the world is fiction. (laughs) So I was like, this is an opportunity to share my favorite fiction with people. (laughs) I love it. Let's hear it. I'm not going to tell you who it's from or what the book's called, because I think it'll diminish the quote. But Okay. (laughs) We'll tell you afterward. Um, So as far as I can tell, there are two emotions that keep the world spinning year after year. One is fear. The other is desire. It is a blessing as well as a burden to love and be loved so much that it can hurt so badly when love is gone. And then a companion quote that goes with it is magic is desire made real. And I've always loved the concept of magic, like I think it's something that people disregard and play with, but when we or like like disregard, but I think that when we play with it, right, and the idea that we can have things that we don't think we can, right, or things mm-hmm. are possible that we don't think are possible, like what's another word for it other than magical? <laughs> yes. So those quotes are from Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Yes, that's something that has always spoken to me. I read that book yearly. Um, Mm. It's just one of my faves, all-time faves. Yeah. I um, recently, actually yesterday, was speaking with someone and they recommended – I think you've done this too. You've recommended that I read something that's not a self-help book and maybe I'll start there. Maybe that'll be the first book that is completely just for fun. Um, And that quote was powerful too. It's uh, the character's name is Matthew. I won't tell you his last name because there's like a swervy word, right? But it's his... um, (laughs) essay to get into all souls, which is a college in Oxford. So he's a, the art, the author is also um, a professor, like a decorated professor. These are the only fiction books she ever wrote. Okay. So go get it. Discovery of witches. So good. (laughs) My list. Alrighty, let's jump into some of these questions. Um, I'm really excited to pick your brain around empowerment, um, especially since our journey together. I feel like that's what it's been surrounded by um, in different components too. But boy, do I feel empowered. <laughs> and that is so different than when we first met. Was that 2021? Oh man, it was. It was a while ago now. Yep, yep. Um, had a very different feeling 
right? In the middle of burnout and all sorts of other things. Um, But the first question I would love to ask is if you can share with us your personal journey towards empowerment and how mindfulness played a role in that process. Hmm. Well, I love that we opened with my fiction uh, quote, (laughs) because (laughs) around the idea of empowerment, right? Um, There's fear, there's desire. Matthew got it right on the head, right? And there's so much that we think about um, that we might want, right? Or sometimes we are so stuck in the life that we're living that it's even too much to start dreaming of a life that we really want, right? Like it's just too far-fetched or it's even just too painful um, to imagine that you've been living this way and there's another way to live, right? And that's fear. Um, And so for me on my path to, I guess, empowerment, uh, to freedom, to being able to live the life that I like love (laughs) in all aspects of myself. Um, it had a lot to do with being able to put down the fear, right. Mm -hmm. Or being able to see that the desire was something that existed at the same time. Like my whole life didn't have to be fear, of change or fear of growth or fear of that I got it wrong in the past or fear of that I'm getting it wrong now, right? Or that I'll get it wrong in the future. And so for me, um, like I am a behavior analyst. I worked as a BCBA for a very long time, like a little longer than I'd like to admit. (laughs) I've been been around for a little bit. Um, And that job was so good for me when it was good for me, right? But there was a shift in me. There was an evolution in me. And I was kind of afraid to evolve like my life with the evolution of me. And so my journey was really around being able to embrace that desire, right? And make that magic, I suppose, happen. Because now, like I went, you know, from like a nine to five job as a BCBA, um, really super duper burnt out, um, you know, feeling like I wasn't able to make a difference in my agency, even though I was trying left and right. And like, I was just losing myself to this, um, to finding acceptance and commitment therapy and being able to start practicing that with myself to, you know, becoming an author, to um, starting my own business, to, you know, moving towards the coaching, the mentorship, the supervision side of things, um, which was absolutely terrifying as a mama. I started my business when my second daughter was an infant my, my second child was an infant and I had a toddler, right? So like at the biggest, scariest point, right? Also in the pandemic, um, I had to take a leap into like the idea that this wasn't the life I was going to live anymore and that the desire had to be bigger than the fear. Mm-hmm. And then it was, right? And I made a whole lot of mistakes and I made a whole lot of, you know, things that were challenging. Um, The road was definitely not perfect, uh, but I got to meet so many amazing people like you, right? My number one. (laughs) Um, And I was able to, like with the desire, right? Being Mm -hmm. able to be dedicated to that being an outcome, um, even though it was scary, allowed me to feel like I could actually live the life that I wanted to live, which I am at today, right? Like I love my life so much. I love my business. Um, I love like even the place that I've lived in and the things that my like moves have afforded me. Um, It's just a dream come true. And it really is empowerment because I was able to sit with the fear and the desire at the same time, I think. So thanks, Matthew, for that quote, my fictional (laughs) bay. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Um, And being able to make enough space for the two, right, to co- And and I think that that's a really big thing, too. Um, Something we've talked about in the past about two emotions that don't necessarily historically makes sense to coexist, but they can and practicing 
the making enough room for both and and sometimes it's more than two right like yeah i've been angry and happy and that might not make sense to other people and to the grand scheme of things but to me it makes sense right they're, they're both valid and they can coexist in the same um time and so fear and excitement fear and empowerment um beautiful things can happen from that space Even though it can feel so confusing to learn to walk it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where the all the parts of us being seen are important. Like it's not, it's not actually empowerment if you have to like push down parts of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of our big emotions, including like fear or anger or resentment or, you know, whatever might be present, um, are there for a reason, right? And they inform some of the other amazing stuff. And so we can't really have a full life. We can't have all of the parts of us present unless we embrace all of them on our journey. So the fear is just as important as the desire. In fact, I think that it deepens it, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's values if we want to go towards the the act language, right? You can't value something if it doesn't also kind of scare the shit out of you if you were to get it wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember we would even talk about that. Magic is just keeps coming up. Like I would say like, Oh, this feels like magic, you know? Um, And every time like recognizing that spot and relating to it differently as, Oh, this is a magical moment. Like this is how I know like something amazing is about to happen rather than like, oh crap. Like I am like so in it and so scared and like I just want to be in bed. Um, it's we're relating to it differently and having a different outcome. It's um, not getting rid of the emotion. It's relating it's to not, it differently. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Because the more we try to get rid of something, the more we think about it. And and at that point, it can become this bigger um, thing that just takes up lots of mental space. Um, And we can't live in the now if we're living in our head, too. (laughs) Present moment awareness. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, present moment awareness. Absolutely. All righty. Let's, let's jump into question number two. Sure. Can you provide some insights into how mindfulness can positively impact decision-making? Um, so a decision-making process, allowing individuals to make more empowering choices that are aligned with their values. Mm. Well, I think like even just pointing to what we've been talking about already, the idea that there's Mm -hmm. more than one experience present at any given time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that when we start noticing that whatever our brain offers first isn't the only perspective that's available to us, um, we have the opportunity to see more opportunity, like Mm -hmm. in general, right? A lot of... um, people I work with and then myself included, um, there's opportunities around us that we can't see because we're so so stuck in like one frame of reference, right? There's just one thought process. So to get it a little bit more granular, maybe like um, for me, an example was like, I can't like make money without my job. (laughs) right? Which sounds very reasonable, right? That's a really reasonable, lots of evidence thought um, in my environment, right? Uh, And, but at the same time, that means that's going to dictate how I interact with my environment. And there's, I'm not going to see the opportunities available to being able to move towards, you know, my version of what would be empowering to me, which was you know, at that time, being able to work from home and being able to do it on my schedule and be the definer of how that will look, yes. um, doing the work I want in the way that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started to believe that there was another thing available to me, like another thought available, that that was actually something that could happen, how could I make that happen? Mm-hmm. My opportunities in my environment changed 
And then I started acting, right, actions Mm -hmm. on things that became my reality at that time, right? Like it changed the way that I interacted with my environment. And it was because of mindfulness, right? Because mindfulness is only being able to see the way that you're thinking, being Mm -hmm. able to observe how your thoughts are there and then being the decider of your thoughts, the director of your thoughts over just following whatever thought your brain offers. Um, And so then my whole world literally changed kind of magically because I opened up my perspective to being able Mm -hmm. to see more opportunities available, right? And anybody can do that at any given time. It just takes practice because we're so practiced in relating to our environment the way that we're used to. It's a habit. It's a habit of thought. And mindfulness is breaking your habits of thought in service of something that matters to you. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite analogies is the switching of the glasses to see a new perspective. And that is so helpful. Um, For me, like personally, I wear glasses um, and I'll think of it as like changing from glasses to sunglasses. And that's my new perspective. Um, And sometimes I need like quite a few different shades. (laughs) Um, And that's okay too, right? I love that one because like it is like that, like when your brain offers you one thing, you know, you see it in one way, like maybe they're your normal glasses, but when you decide that that's not the only way you get to see life and you can put on the sunglasses or you can put on the blue light glasses or you can put on my, my daughter has these like purple glasses with hearts on the eyes. Right. And so they make your whole world purple because the glass is purple. Like you literally interact with your environment in a different way because you are seeing it differently when you change mindset perspectives. And it is, it is actually kind of magical because you, it was always there, but you didn't see it. And so it wasn't the environment that changed. It wasn't the boss that got better. It wasn't the partner who finally agreed. It wasn't the raise or it wasn't the house or the degree or whatever. It was you changing your perspective about what's available to you. And then you, that's like true empowerment, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's not out of your control. Now it's in your control or at least as much control as a person can have, right? And that is when we start being the drivers of our lives. And like, that's the sauce. Yes, that is the magic. (laughs) It reminds me of something I heard someone say, and as soon as they said it, I kind of just stopped in my tracks and was like, yes, that is it. Um, They said reality is in perspective. And I think that that just like sums it all up. Um, Not quite though, because I want to still bring light to the choice aspect. I think that that is so important to realize that we do have a choice in really everything that it is that we are doing and how we decide to um, look at it, right? Um, I'm going to bring in Sin real quick. <laughs> so she, when she was diagnosed um, and as she went through um, her treatment, she her perspective was always so um, – I would say empowering and she would be um, the way she looked at it was she she gave each day her best and to be able to show up as her best and choose to show up as her best, even though she was going through treatments, even though she was exhausted. That to me is like a beautiful example of empowerment. They can coexist exhaustion to the degree that she was experiencing and also being able to be present for her daughters and do arts and crafts with her daughters and create those memories. Um, she had, she, and, and would make over and over 
that choice. Um, that's very inspiring to me. <laughs> Extremely inspiring. Um, I think that's an important uh, point to bring in because we do have a choice. Like she could have easily chosen misery. She could have easily chosen pain to be the only perspective or exhaustion to be the only perspective that was available to her. And I know that we've all been in that place, right? Where Mm -hmm. this is all we can see. This is all we're used to. And it's effortful to make a different choice. Like it is effortful. Like it's not going to be easy. Mindfulness isn't easy. Um, because over and over and over again, just like any habit, the environment offer, offers us opportunities to engage in that. And we'll be looking yeah. for them and we'll be able to find them. Um, acceptance and commitment therapy comes from relational frame theory, which is a bigger kind of broader theory. And it really, if you, if you boil it all down, it comes to um, truth is relative, right? Mm-hmm. And that was an, a beautiful example of sin being able to choose right her relative Mm -hmm. truth in this situation she got to be the decider of that right and we all have that opportunity but like you said like it was effortful for her Mm -hmm. to choose that one and it was very brave right and it's brave of us to be able to pick the thing that isn't habitual that isn't easy for our brain because it matters to us and in your example sin it was for her daughters, right? Being able to be with them um, in the time that she had, right, uh, was of highest importance. And she was able to choose that because it mattered, but not because it was necessarily easiest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that one. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. I love talking about her. (laughs) And I love that you love talking about her. Alrighty. So for the thrivers listening, what ways can mindfulness support them in breaking free from some self-limiting beliefs and stepping into their true potential? Firsthand, I think when we first started working together, um, and I don't know that I've mentioned this, but uh, Mallory is my uh, mentor, and we've been working together since 2001. When we first met, I was experiencing lots of self-limiting beliefs, and my world was so tiny uh, based on how I was perceiving it. So for the thrivers out there who might be um, experiencing self-limiting beliefs, what what would you recommend? What's a good first step? Hmm. I love the way that your questions are organized because I think that they're building on each other because I think the answer to this one, right, is kind of where we just came from in recognizing that the painful or uncomfortable feelings – that we're having aren't something to be resisted. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some level of kind of discomfort that is inherent with life, right? Happiness Trap by Russ Harris is a great, like, quick, easy-ish read um, to be able to explain that a little bit further. That, like, yes, we want to move towards things that matter to us, but what matters to us isn't always happy, right? There might be a twinge of discomfort. There might be uh, a lot of discomfort, right? In Cynthia, in Sin's example, right? Um, Being with her daughters in that situation was painful, right? Because not only was she experiencing physical discomfort, but there was probably emotional stress around her situation, right? And being Mm -hmm. able to be present was a choice, right? And it was probably an uncomfortable one. Um, I know like when I started my business in the during the pandemic, it was a very scary, uncomfortable thing. I was pretty sure, I mean, part of me was sure that I was going to fail, right? And that was like 49%. <laughs> it was just like 51% was like, I can't let that happen. It has to work out. Um, mm-hmm. And so it comes back down to 
your why. Like, why would this be an important thing to happen? Like, what Mm -hmm. is it that I, that matters to me so much, right? And can I hold space for that to be able to become, um, even though it's probably going to be uncomfortable, right? And like embracing the weird or the uncomfortable as part of the journey rather than evidence that it's not working. Mm -hmm. I like that. Did that answer the question? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. This next question, you're right. They kind of uh, builds upon each other. Um, So what are some practical ways individuals or what are some practical ways thrivers can cultivate a sense of empowerment in their daily lives um, through the practice of mindfulness. Um, So we talked about the why, what would be the next step? So I think that the next step is a really kind of easy one. Um, Well, it's not super easy, but it's not complicated. And it's when you start noticing your experience and that the experience isn't something that you are fused to, to use act language, um, or that you are um, like the only experience available to you. So instead of saying like, I am frustrated, I am mad, I am uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? We can say I am having the experience of, or I'm having the feeling of, or I'm having the thought that, right? Yeah. And just building that language of a small space between the experience and you, because you are not frustrated. You are you. (laughs) You are not um, whatever big thought comes into your head. You are you. You're having the experience of emotion. You're having the experience Mm -hmm. of thought. And so when you separate yourself from the experience, when you separate yourself from the feeling, then there's more room to move right? Like you're not Mm. as stuck. You're not as locked. And what's really powerful about that is that that's just words, right? (laughs) Like it's not that much extra effort. It's not something that you have, like everyone who's listening to this podcast and understanding what I'm saying can do this, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes it's just about breaking the habit, but being able to get unstuck with your language is the way that you start getting unstuck in your actions. And that's really what mindfulness and specifically acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT is really about is a language intervention that gets to the core of how you direct your thoughts, how you experience your environment to make space for new opportunity of action to create new opportunities and environment to create a new fucking life. Like, woo. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I absolutely love that. Um, And I think a couple more language um, switches or language, uh, we'll call them language switches. Yeah. Yeah. That we've done is the, the should and the could. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes. So um, oftentimes we get into the, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be um, prepping for presentation I'm going to be doing. I should be meal prepping every Sunday, right? Um, these are all shoulds. I and, and when, for me personally, when I say I should be doing all these things, there's a sense of pressure that comes into play. Um, and then it becomes this like heavy thing. Um, and doing the language switcheroo to could create some of that space that you were talking about. Well, I could do those things. Um, and I like to fill in that space with, um, what what do I want to be doing, right? And and what is purposeful for me to be doing in this moment? Mm-hmm. Also checking in with bandwidth too. Um, and that's a newer one for me in um, as I, I process through grief, it's that's a lot in in that I'm experiencing. And so the standard to-do list I used to have to just adds more to it. Those are shoulds that um, 
add more, even more pressure. And so to look at it and say, I could do those things. Um, but what is truly important right now for me, um, as I'm navigating through grief, as I'm, um, building, continuing to build out a business as I'm, you know, stepping into a new role as a super auntie and (laughs) figuring out, you know, all the things and all the changes that are happening. Um, so, so switching shoulds to coulds creates some of that space, um, that's needed to, to, to be mindful, right. To ground back into the moment, um, the second one. Do you want to share the second one? Because I know. No, I want you to do it. Okay, I'll do it. Um, the second language switcheroo is but. <laughs> um, and let's see. Let me think about. An but to and. I, but, but to and. Yeah. Um, what's a good but? What's a but I've said? Sure. So, I mean, it could be like. You know, I, well, I don't want to use too specific examples because I'm, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it could be, um, you know, like I can't go do the, the chicken meal prep because it's frozen. Right. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) but right. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, like I can't do the, the chicken um, because it's frozen. That doesn't really that's not a butt example. <laughs> I'm trying to that figure it out. <laughs> um, sometimes it's like I could, sometimes it's like either or, right? Like I can have this or that, and then we move it into and as well. So it could be yeah. but slash or to and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Isn't that terrible? We do this all fucking day. Yeah, I know. We do it all the time. And then now... It's one of those things. It's one of those things that I like notice it happening, and then I'm like, ah, that's a butt, or that's an yes, or, that's right? And then it's exactly, dead. yeah. Um, and the way, even though we can't come up with examples right now, I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, some examples, but the idea is that um, having a butt almost makes the experience smaller or more like confined, I feel, and then adding an and, um, like it it makes the experience bigger and it goes back into what we were saying about coexisting. You got an example. Okay. Let's hear it. So I could start a business, but I'm a mom, right? Yes. Yes. And so that implies that being able to start a business and being able to like be a full mom is not two mm-hmm. things that can go together. So it's almost like saying I can be a mom or I can be a business owner. And that's like in rejection of the fullness of you, like all the aspects of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we have like a self as um, concept, right? Like we conceptualize what being a mom is versus being what a business owner is. In my example, what you can fill in your experience, wonderful thrivers, um, that don't seem to go together because being like a good version of that, right? Or like the desirable version of that, like might conflict with the good or desirable version of the other thing, right? Um, it requires you to change the way that you're perceiving something. It's requiring you to contextualize it instead of conceptualize it, making space for good to be relative, right? Mm -hmm. Or successful to be relative or for Mm -hmm. the role or the hat um, to be contextual to the moment instead of like the whole of your life. Um, And so that allows you when you notice that you've got a rigid rule or a thought around the shoulds mm-hmm. um, and that you open it up to, well, it could look like this, right? If it's important to me, if I want to choose it, like it could, it could be uncomfortable. Could I be willing to make space for uncomfortable in service of an and so that my life can be expansive rather than contractive? Absolutely. And we love expansiveness. <laughs> it was all the shit. 
And I think that that's what empowerment is, right? Being able to have it all is expansive, right? It's also empowering um, and it's one step at a time, but it's in like the debunking of the idea that things don't go together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And looking at our beliefs, right? And are they serving us? (laughs) Because they might not be, it's time to check them. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of examples of beliefs that don't serve us. Um, And they usually like to the original question, like the language switches, these types of things will point to where you have stuck beliefs. Like if you notice yourself saying, I am blank, right? There might be some stuck thoughts there that need to be a little bit more expanded. If you find yourself saying, I should, right? There might be some ways to expand something around that. If you're in buts or ors, then there might be an opportunity to expand into and, right? Um, And so like, if you notice yourself saying those things, those are places to start actually targeting for your mindset work. I love that. Pinpointing it. (laughs) (laughs) And some good ways to do that, because I think that was in the original question was what's tangible strategies, right? Um, I do that with journaling. So I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't like journaling because they have like some teacher who graded them on journaling or who graded their work at some point. And so they look at their work and they kind of judge it as being immature or messy or non-coherent or whatever. But sometimes when you slow your brain down, because my brain goes faster than I can even really register all of it. And so by like writing, either typing or physically writing, I can slow my brain down, but then there's also a tangible product for me to review. So I can catch myself saying shoulds. I can catch myself saying buts. I can catch myself saying I am statements and then have the opportunity to go back and rephrase them, right? Or pick out where I'm fused and have the opportunity to be able to expand. Um, Another wonderful way, of course, is talking with people (laughs) who might be able to point those things out for you and then engage you in a dialogue around it. Absolutely. And get that stretching in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mind stretch. Mm -hmm. Yes. A mind stretch. And get those reps in. (laughs) That's a good point too, because the more practice you get, um, even messy practice, like in the example of my, you know, I call them fourth grade journals because they look like a fourth grader wrote them. Like they're messy. They don't make sense. Like they're not always, uh, full sentences. (laughs) Yes. But being able to take messy action, um, even when it's not, mm, it feels weird, right? Gives you the opportunity to start creating more um, expansiveness. I think also with messy action um, and, and the journaling practice, that's a safe space. And I think um, being able to have that physical space that is safe for us to um, get it all out. It can also be very beneficial. I agree with you. There's a neutrality to journaling and it's like free, right? Everybody's got their phone that they can just write in (laughs) their notes, right? Or have access to paper and pen or pencil um, to be able to start practicing that. The trick about journaling is that you're going to resist it because it's going to be uncomfortable. Your brain is going to say, I don't want to take the time to do that. What's it really going to do? It's going to take too long or it's just going to, I'm just going to throw it away or whatever. Um, I am notorious for writing journaling on the back of envelopes because it is the like the point isn't to keep it right the point is to just be able to look at what I'm thinking right now Mm -hmm. um I'm personally one of the a person who falls into the category of where you talk at people right you just have to talk to get it out like you have to say it you can't like process it in your head um Mm -hmm. And so if I can write it down, if I don't have access to anybody, um, then I can even get clear on what I'm thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. because sometimes I don't 100% know. Like I can't just process it in my head myself. It goes too fast for me. Like I don't necessarily get 
an idea of it. And that's where the observer comes in of mindfulness. Cause at the beginning we were talking a little bit about noticing what you're thinking and being able to see that there's other options available. Right. Um, sometimes we don't see that we're even thinking until we have the opportunity to slow it down and look at it in a different way. And I think that's where journaling allows you to be messy, but get it out, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's such a great practical way to slow down because sometimes it's just said, you know, just, oh, you slow down, slow down. And, and this is such a, 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 a practical step in doing so, in slowing down. Or if our brain is going so fast, writing it all out, and then the step of reading through it is the slower step. It's the time you're giving to yourself to, to read and see what is actually happening up there, you know? Because our brain, there's no off switch to our brain. And there's no delete button, really. Like if you're to no. the point where your brain is deleting stuff, like you're, you know, you've got, <laughs> you've got a lot of people who you probably should be talking to. But um, <laughs> for the majority of us, there isn't a delete button and there's going to be uncomfortable stuff that comes up. And the more that we can make space for that to just be part of our experience, right, um, the more we're going to be able to move forward, the more we're going to be able to have more of what we want instead of be sitting in that fear, right? Mm-hmm. Or the shame or the embarrassment or the guilt or whichever is true for you. Yes, absolutely. I am going to be starting something new where every guest that comes on Thriving Purposefully, I'd love to get to know what their personal definition of thriving is. So mm-hmm. Mallory, what's yours? So I think that thriving is something that's evolutionary, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not something that can be defined. um, Like, like the definition of it is always going to be growing. It's always going to be changing. So today Mm -hmm. my version of thriving might look different than yesterday's might look different from tomorrow's. And I think being able to be open to all of like the experience, right, that you're having without resisting it. Um, I mean, it's kind of like going with the flow, but also like Mm -hmm. in a boat, (laughs) (laughs) right? So it's not like it's taking you wherever it wants to go. Like you're the director Mm -hmm. of that, but it feels um, the way that you want to feel. And that requires you to be able to figure out how you want it to feel, Um, and right. Like it's not just the desirable yeah. things that we can, and we can also make space mm-hmm. for, um, you know, things being challenging, right? Like, uh, even this morning before I got on this call, um, my husband and I, who have been together for a very long time, who I love unconditionally, we've got two children together. We've been to, I mean, we're getting close to like 15, we're actually past 15 years together now. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. You know, we were kind of having an argument over language around like something that was said in the family while getting ready for school this morning was very stressful. And my version of thriving includes having hard conversations with people. It includes holding space for tears. It includes, you know, holding hands through anger or through frustration. Um, And I think that it took me a long time to realize that that was part of my version of thriving. But when I say I'm making space for all of the parts of us in, in our life, like that's truly what I mean. Um, Mm -hmm. I personally feel like I'm always like a very emotional person. Like I just, my emotions are just something that like I can't not express or it makes me sick. And so I call myself a hurricane human because sometimes my emotions are really big and other people get caught up in my like hurricane orbit. And Mm -hmm. I believe and choose to believe that there's people who appreciate that about me and find that to be vulnerable rather than think that that's something wrong with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my version of thriving includes big emotions, you know, absolutely. 
And that's an evolution of my version of thriving. So I think that it's a complicated thing and I think it's an individual thing and I think it's an evolutionary thing. And I think that it'll always be shifting, adjusting and changing moment to moment to moment. And when, and I want to make space for that. That's what I, that's my definition of thriving. That is a beautiful definition of thriving. Thank you so much for sharing it. Um, I love, What's, what's yours? What's mine? It's my definition of thriving. Um, it's it's quite similar, actually. It's embracing um, a full experience of life, um, and that includes emotion. Um, that includes my grief. That includes my joy. Um, I'm playing around with bliss and how uh, bliss is a compilation of both joy and also can include some sorrow in it. And, um, and so to me, it's about thriving is being able to take life as it's happening um, and be able to make room for it and experience it in the present without trying to change it. And so for me, how that's coming up right now is allowing grief to move through me um, and thriving to me meant something very different last year, this time. Um, Thriving to me will be something different tomorrow, um, a week from now, six months from now, next year. Um, And so just just the same way thriving is although we're talking about it in the sense of a definition and that reminds me of like a dictionary and dictionaries i don't know how often they're edited but um thriving i love for that to be ongoing it it our definitions can change um we go through life we experience new things and and thriving is meant to feel empowered um, in such a way that we are embracing all aspects of ourselves. Um, The ones that we haven't had too much time to get to know and the ones we've known since for years now. um, That's my definition of thriving today. I'm going to tie what you just said back to my my fiction quote, my Deborah Harkness quote, that it's not fear or desire, right? Like fear informs desire. And that they go to, it's and, right? It's an and, (laughs) yes. An and with a big curiosity hat. (laughs) Yes. I love that we're in sync on that. I think thriving is a complicated thing. And I think a lot of people don't get curious about thriving. I think that sometimes we have this image in our brain of what, you know, like someone with a, you know, like a yacht or like in the fancy clothes and the nice cars and on the beach with the vacations and the nanny or the chef or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, that's when I'm thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we put it on this pedestal that's unachievable to this exact moment, like it's not something that you could have tomorrow um, Mm -hmm. without, um, I mean, I suppose there's ways that that can happen. But if you're close to it being something, then um, it becomes so far out of reach that it's unachievable. So the the, the thing is like, well, why even bother, right? Mm -hmm. And then you give way to this it's easier to just go with the momentum of what's been happening because that's true, right? But when you start noticing that thriving can exist today, thriving can exist in this moment, even if it's a kernel of thriving, right? Mm -hmm. Then you start getting curious about what your experience of thriving is. And then you have the opportunity to and, right? Like I can be Mm -hmm. frustrated and I can be thriving. I can be Mm -hmm. in physical pain and I can be thriving, right? And that's when we start growing it from a seed to like a big tree, right? Is when we start paying attention to the opportunities that we have now, rather than saying, you know, I can have that when I am a multimillionaire, right? I can have that when I get the degree or when I get the job or when I have the partner or blah, 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 right? Exactly. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, the the Thrive mentality starts now. It starts today. It starts by watering the, that seed. Just like you said, it'll, it will turn into a tree. And then what do trees do? They bear fruit. Mm-hmm. And shade. And they make lots of beautiful sounds. And they make homes for all sorts of animals. And even awesome. when they lose their leaves or their branches, that like nourishes the area around them. Like it mm-hmm. is exponential thriving when you start paying attention to the stuff that's available to you now. Right. And that kind of goes back to the strategies that we were talking about of like the language switches, Mm -hmm. um, the journaling um, or a coach and being able to notice that more than one thing is available to you, even though your brain might habitually be offering you one thought, right. Moving back into that position of, I can see both right? Or more than one and being able to direct those thoughts by choice rather Mm -hmm. than um, just by what's habit of your brain offering you those things. Yes. Adding some intentionality to it. Beautiful word. Intention. Perfect word. Yes. All right, Mallory, it's been a pleasure having you with us today. Can you please let the Thrivers know where they can connect with you and find out more about your coaching services? Yes. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Um, All of my handles are Mindfully Mallory. My primary platform is Instagram. We put out I put out weekly content over there. Um, You can find me on YouTube for some of the more longer form content and for some more mindfulness practices. Um, And then you can find out some of my offering packages at mindfullymallory.com. So if you're interested in um, life balance and burnout coaching, um, moving towards all of the areas of your life. Um, or if you're a BCBA who's looking for acceptance and commitment therapy mentorship, um, those things are available over at my website, mindplaymallory.com. And I'll include all of Mallory's information in the show notes for you below. Thank you so much for listening. Please comment, like, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. You can also catch me on Instagram at journeywithjoss or visit my website, journeywithjoss.com. Thank you guys, and I'll see you soon.